Welcome to the One Degree Shift Podcast, where we learn the little changes that future-proof some of our favorite companies and teams. Here's your host, Eric Termundi. Mike Vacanti, thank you for joining the One Degree Shift Podcast. How are you today? I'm doing great. I'm, uh, I'm excited to be here with you, Eric. You know, I, I'm excited too for, for a number of reasons. And, and for those who are listening in, I uh, connected more formally with Mike a few weeks ago, but I've been following his work uh, for years now. And I, and I mean that seriously. And, and I'm not the type of uh, person to knock on doors just for the sake of it, but I've really followed and admired his work for a long time now. He's the author of Believership. He's the, uh, the founder of Humans First. And before going into your awards, accolades and accomplishments, why don't you tell me a little bit about what you're up to now? what's most important to you and ultimately what you're most excited about? Yeah, I, I, you know, the, the big focus has been on um, how do we continue steps forward where I, I think the needs are, are pretty clear in front of us right now, right? It's bringing people together. We need to unite and support each other better. Um, there's some healing that needs to take place in the world. Um, what, you know, the challenges are very clear and, I'm just, you know, I'm happy, Eric, that the work that I've done in the previous years have kind of led to being in a good place to, to help people right now and to mm-hmm. unite communities in discussion about, you know, what matters, what's important, what, what are our priorities. And I think a lot of calming things down, letting people feel what they feel and, and, and find a way to take positive steps forward is I know those sound like big, simple, yet nebulous things, but they're, they're actually not. They can be really intentional. And I'm fortunate that I, I get to do that inside businesses and, and with a global community every week. Um, so I, I kind of find myself sitting in gratitude quite often. Let's, let's peel the curtain back a little bit further. Um, I don't disagree with you on any of what you said, but I'd like to see it from, from Mike's perspective. What is it that needs to be healed? What are the steps that need to be taken to move forward? But perhaps more importantly, what's the current state of American Canadian society now that warrants this healing, that warrants this step forward? What, what are the problems that you're seeing that really enable you to do the work that you do? Yeah, so I mean, I'll, I'll, the the focus for my work was really in the in the workplace, right? And and it was a simple conundrum of people are not responding positively to a command structure any longer, and it was prohibiting businesses from achieving the results that they desired or needed, and that came from you know a century of of being brilliant and orchestrating business in the industrial eras. And, and we're in a different state. We're in a knowledge economy. We're in a, in a, in a, um, in a different era that those great practices, all that brilliance we brought to bear no longer serves us. You know, one of the things is information dissemination, right? So we don't have to think back very far when, we would leave our home in the morning, we'd shut the door, we'd go to the factory, we would punch in, spend our day, do our job, told to leave everything that wasn't job related outside those doors. And then we'd punch out and you know go get a bar and congratulate each other for surviving another day and then go home to our families. And 
much of the, the thinking, much of the philosophy on how to maximize my contribution in those punched in hours was 100% the focus. And I only existed for the company to do those things. Now it's very different. Um, I am not just getting my information from my superior. They're not just getting the information from their superior. We can get information on anything we want instantaneously. So the, the true proliferation of knowledge, the data mining, the AI, the, the influence that we can absorb every day or, or consume every day is far greater than whatever existed before. And that's something we have to account for and accommodate when we're, when we're leading people. And what I believe is the greatest thing we can do to change that paradigm is offer choice over command. When people willingly commit to something because they've had the choice to do that, they tend to amaze us in their results. Mm -hmm. And then with humans first, what is something that a member of the community would sort of leave with, whether it be skills, whether it be like-minded individuals, whether it be uh, tools perhaps in their belt, uh, who's coming to humans first meetings um, to meet ups on Fridays and, and, and what do they ultimately leave with? Yeah, it, you know, we started with live events back in October and Claude Silver, Mark LaBos, Joe Katz and I walked into a room with 60 people in, in New York City and, and simply asked the question, what's it like to be human in the workplace today? And a lot of that came, Eric, because all of the research says we're not on a desirable or sustainable path. Tell and me more about that. So um, what are the engagement numbers? They've been flat at, you know, for, you know, the Gallup numbers have been flat for a number of years, a couple of blips here and there, but basically 75 to 80% of the workforce is saying, I'm, I'm going to give it the effort that is mandated, and that's about it. I'm not engaged. Interestingly, it puts all the pressure on the 20 that are engaged, and that's where burnout happens. People that are disengaged aren't burning out. It's those that have to pull the, the cart. And then on the bottom of that, Eric, is you know 20 to 25% who are actively trying to sink the boat. So you have some that just aren't rowing, some that are drilling holes in the boat, and, you know, 20% of the people that are pulling it along and, and um, you know, there's conflict and strife in that type of sure. situation. So those numbers are there, but then also the, the mental and physical fitness. And I'm going to use fitness, not health, because I'm not a doctor. Hmm. Um, <laughs> and when we look at mental fitness in that pressured command environment, People aren't acknowledged, valued, and honored to think and feel the way they think and feel. We're told to understand and then act accordingly, to take the information given and perform as we're told rather than come up with our own amb ambition, drive, understanding, motivation, which motivation is not an external thing it's a it's an internal thing mm -hmm. those are the big shifts and it's difficult to break those patterns they're so regimented over a long period of time so let's 
say that we've got a, a magic wand and we can remedy some of those bad behaviors. Where does that start? What, what have you learned it means to be human first and what are steps that, that we can take? The greatest influence that we have from the outside in and from ourselves to others is those people that are close to us. And we kind of lose that in the thinking. And, and I hear this all the time in my consulting business when I'm in with companies, I say, well, Mike, that's not possible for my company or our teams because our CEO you know, says this or, or does this. And my question is how much time do you spend with that person? Mm -hmm. You know, and, and often they'll say, well, I've, I've, I've never met them. I've never been in a room with that person. It's like, well, then why do they have so much influence on how you act with those 10 people you see and sit with and engage with every day? In other words, you are the solution. There's no reason to wait for someone else. Something that I've, that I've found really interesting, especially over the past four months, is the relationship between uh, where culture lives and how you influence it. And I think that we, for so long, have thought and considered that businesses make decisions and businesses don't make decisions teams do and it's not even teams that make decisions it's individuals that make decisions wearing the hat uh, that carries the logo of the company and when we look at where culture lives now of course we're going to have culture that lives at the organizational level no doubt but there might be a subset of culture or a nuanced culture that lives at the team level and more specifically between each relationship within that team so now you, you and I might have a different relationship than you might with somebody else that might hypothetically be on our team. And, and I think it's important to know that influence with respect to culture really starts in the relationships that we have with the people that we're speaking to first and foremost. Um, and that will trickle up. So I might influence my uh, superior, my team member that might trickle up to the team level, which might influence how we shape and guide our team, which might influence the department. If the department changes, that might influence the entire organization. But I think one of the things that we forget to acknowledge is how that trickle up or trickle down effect actually shapes organizations. And so based on what you said, and putting humans first, I think it truly starts with the individual, the relationships that we've got on our team. Because if we can influence how our team is functioning, that will trickle up to the department, it will maybe tri trickle up to the entire office, whether we're remote or not, which will then trickle up to shaping the entire organization uh, as a result of the decision that we've made, perhaps at the front line. So this is the worst podcast answer I could, I could give. Absolutely, yes. <laughs> like, <laughs> there's not much more to say. I mean, that, that hits it so, so perfectly is... If culture is actually each experience we have with the company, mm -hmm. from the client to the company, from the, you know, throughout the supply chain, what's that experience? And so every experience, and certainly mm -hmm. the ones we have with our teams or in the environment. And Eric, I think what you pointed to is such an important distinction is, do we confuse culture for climate? Mm. So tell me what the, tell me what climate is. Yeah. yeah. So what's the climate? It's just like, man, it was a stressful day. I mean, everybody came in. They were, I don't know if it was a full moon or what, but everybody was like acting goofy. It was mm. it was a goofy climate today. Or it's a stressful climate because we've got this control freak that just won't let anybody think for or act, you know, for themselves. 
I'm told what I'm doing wrong more than I'm acknowledged for what I'm doing right. That's, that's a climate. That's not a culture. That, so tell me about the relationship between culture and climate then. Yeah. So the overall atmosphere that exists because of good behavior or bad behavior, you know, it, it shifts over time. It shifts with who's my boss. It shifts with, you know, who made the, the, the last good decision, the last bad decision. And mm-hmm. for that period of time, the climate is different. But where we can affect culture is how am I showing up and, and responding to, to my relationships? What's my interaction with the other person and with the company every day? Um, so it's, it's not responding to the rain that's falling, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's still um, going forward with the purpose, the belief, the, the care of the other people. That's what really drives culture. I'm afraid I'm going to open up a, a, a longer can of worms that we don't have time to address, but, but I'm going to talk about it anyways, because I think it's important to, to, to dive into, and that is this idea of, of purpose. Now, look, I, I'm a through and through believer in purpose. I just think it can manifest in a series of different ways. You know, the purpose of the team might be to beat the sales target. Um, it might, you know, I always wonder when we start with why, if we're using, you know, Simon Sinek's, phrase that he built an empire on, you know, our why doesn't have to be triple bottom line. It doesn't have to be sort of CSR related, though it very much can be, and it can be used very much as a differentiator. It might be to create a better experience for our people. It might be to crush the sales target. It might be to hustle hard and, and, and really give it all we've got. And who are we to say what's right and what's wrong so long as the people are aligned with what that purpose is. But I would argue too that you might have multiple different purposes within the company that I think are really important to differentiate and to distinguish. I mean, the purpose of the accounting team is going to be absolutely different than the purpose of the business development team. And I think that so, so long as the organization at the highest level can enable, and I would argue even has an obligation to allow teams to determine and to develop and to deploy that sub purpose underneath the mission and the vision of the organization. That's the only way we'll be able to build a human's first team and connections that are ultimately built to last. So I'm, I'm going to stay succinct with that, right. In, in respect to time. And I love that we, you know, that you're bringing that into the conversation and, you know, give an example of if we're, if we're running a race together, the goal is to cross the finish line. Right. Perhaps cross the finish line first, right? And if we look at that as a, as a team engagement, mm-hmm. the purpose could be let's cross the finish line with everybody standing up and healthy. Sure. Not let's see who gets there first and who doesn't make it. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. the goal doesn't change. And now I don't have to do 25% over allotment on all my business development team because you know, some are going to fail, some are going to succeed. The purpose is everybody has a responsibility to get everybody across that finish line standing up mm-hmm. instead of just get to that end goal and, you know, eviscerate ourselves at the finish line. Everybody, you know, pile up over each other. Mm-hmm. And I love the uh, example of the interdependencies of, of groups of people with different objectives. So take accounting, Right. 
can accounting be aware of that purpose in business development to get everybody across the finish line? And can they support that? So there's this virtual uh, dependency that I think is often ignored. It's like, that's their thing. That's their problem, right? That's the HR thing. That's the executive thing. That's the sales thing. That's the accounting thing. And when we appreciate the interdependencies and know that there's, that the business development team can probably do something to support the accounting team. Um, I, 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 I think those are the small game changers that sometimes we miss. Yeah. Mike, as we close, what do you, what do you need people to know uh, about being human first? What's the one thing if you could share uh, with, with the listeners they need to start doing today that perhaps they weren't doing yesterday that will allow them to sort of, let's just say, start this journey. Yeah. I mean, the, 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 the misconception I think is, is important to hit at the beginning is it's not to just throw everything else away and say, Hey, we just need to get together and hug each other. Right. That's, Mm -hmm. that's not it. What I'm really after is to take a look at all the things that we already know and do well, all of the skills and the approaches that we take to accomplish what's important or what's assigned to Mm -hmm. us. Um, What does that look like if we change the priority and make sure we're taking care of the people and the relationships as a primary concern. And it doesn't have to be number one. It says humans first, but it, it's, it's um, human focus. I think that when we understand that business is people and people are business, that's where things get done, that we take care of the whole we take care of people, we take care of the whole infrastructure. Um, what we can achieve becomes greater. So the encouragement is not get stuck in the paradigm of what we've been taught, but really take a look at what's possible. Um, and I think that what we find is we can go way beyond the limitations that we may have just accepted without really exploring. Absolutely. Well said. Mike, where can people uh, get in touch with you? Um, you know, please reach out online, LinkedIn, Twitter, any, anywhere on social media. Humansfirst.club will, uh, will lead you to a few of the activities that are going on. And um, mjvacanti.com. Um, awesome. Please reach out. I'm, I'm happy to meet you. Fantastic. Mike, this has been an incredible conversation and I really appreciate you and, and the time you've given us today. Thank you. Yeah. And Eric, can I just say before we go is, is, you know, the work you're doing is impacting so many. And um, I want to, I want to share with the audience that, you know, I'm a fan of yours. And I think that not only are you influencing how we can think about the future, but you're helping lead us toward a better future. And I appreciate you for that. Thank you, Mike. I really appreciate that. Thank you. And uh, I look forward to, to sharing the stage with you hopefully soon. For more podcasts, show notes, and to connect with our speaker today, visit erictermundi.com. That's E-R-I-C-T-E-R-M-U-E-N-D-E.com. And click the podcast tab. Thanks for listening.